WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown is on the cover of Madden 19, the video game. You can tell that's a different Madden. I'm sure he's yanking and cranking about that, but this is actually a real big deal. And Antonio Brown has played it absolutely correct when it comes to endorsements. Let's make clear, endorsements are not a distraction. They don't make you play worse. Endorsements are more exposure and more money, period. AB's jersey sells like crazy. He works with AT&T, DirecTV, Campbell Soup, Pepsi, Nike, and NFL Sunday Ticket, among others. As AB said, quote, I'm not just an athlete or a football player, I'm a walking around business, unquote. Indeed he is, and good for him. It's a short shelf life. You've got to maximize. But keep in mind that all that stuff AB does, Le'Veon Bell does not. Brown's got an ego, but so does Bell, and that had to eat away at Le'Ve. I don't think jealousy is the primary reason he's leaving. I don't think wanting to be the top dog on his team is the primary reason Bell is leaving. But I definitely think it's a factor. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I have wondered, what if like after two or three games, Bell is on a pace to get 450 touches? Is he going to go into Tomlin or is his agent going to call Tomlin and say, no dice, that's too much? Because if this is Bell's last year with the Steelers, and it almost certainly is Bell's last year with the Steelers, Tomlin is going to try to give him the ball even more than last year's of 406 touches. He's going to. You know what Tomlin's really good at? Tomlin's good at not giving a damn about the players and pretending he does to a good enough degree that the players think he does. Like Willie Parker, he said he was going to run them until the wheels fell off, and then they fell off, and the players still like this guy. And I'm not criticizing Tomlin. He's got to do what's necessary to to win as much as possible. But what he does this year with Le'Veon Bell will not remotely be to the best interest of Le'Veon Bell. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, You know what I posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com, and you've got to see it. I posted the monologue Norm MacDonald did at the 1998 ESPYs. The ESPYs are tonight, and they suck. They exemplify everything that is wrong about sports. But the ESPYs in 1998, hosted by Norm MacDonald, were the one shining moment for the ESPYs. Because Norm just eviscerated sports and really put, put sports in its place. Uh, like like Norm said, in, in the video I got, there's one video 
of Norm's monologue from the ESPYs, which is tremendous. And then there's another video that's a bunch of clips of Norm talking about having hosted the ESPYs. And, and as Norm said later, the jocks don't like being made fun of, and that goes back to high school. And on one of the tapes, Norm talks about Ken Griffey Jr. making faces and being noticeably angry during Norm's monologue and then kind of giving Norm a hard time when they met face-to-face one-on-one after the monologue. So check that out on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. But I say to you again, as I said yesterday, and say every year, do not watch the ESPYs. Let the whore of sports media diddle itself in private. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I don't feel like we're talking enough about Darrell Rivas. Aliquippa guy, Pitt guy, one of the all-time great cornerbacks, Rivas Island, announced his retirement today after 11 NFL seasons. Made $124 bucks in his career. Where does he rank among all-time cornerbacks? As I said a bit earlier, Mel Blunt better, Deion Sanders better, Rod Woodson better, and that might be about it. Maybe Charles Woodson. But boy, if you made me pick one, I'd go with Darrell Rivas. It does say a lot that all these years later, with football having changed the way it did, in part because of the way he played. People just say, yep, Mel Blunt, when you talk about the best cornerbacks of all time. If there's a discussion, it isn't a long one. 412-333-9939, the number to call. You know, it's still a point of debate about the ESPYs. When they gave Caitlyn Jenner the Arthur Ashe Courage Award in 2015, and there was like some sprinter who like was missing an arm and a leg or, or, or something like that. A man who had lost limbs and still competed at a high level in track. And they gave it to Caitlyn Jenner instead. And there is a thought that that was when ESPN first turned left. And that's the reason a lot less people are watching. I thought that might be true at one time. I don't think it is now. It just, every year, there's more entertainment options on TV, on your smartphone, on the internet. And it's just that everybody's viewing time is being spread out. I think that's more where the drop comes for ESPN. And for that matter, like we talked about yesterday, the National Football League. But uh, I'm not anti Caitlyn Jenner, and I respect her for, you know, her life decision. I can't believe that won the Courage Award over the track guy who lost limbs. I I can't believe that to this day. And all the SBs are about are this poor guy and that poor woman and dying person over here and handicapped person over here. And it's terrible, but it depresses me and I don't turn on things to be depressed. And honestly, that's not just on the ESPYs. That's with a lot of ESPN programming. Let's go to Mike in the car. Mike, you're on with Double M. 
Mike, you're on the air. What up, man? What up? Hey, uh, I think I wanted to talk to you about Antonio Brown. I, I think it's great that he made the cover of Madden, but do you know about the Madden curse? There's no such I, thing. I there is. 90% of the people who have made the cover No, no, that's, that's coincidence and not a curse. They're saying it's a curse, man. Oh, who, who are they? Who said that? Um, the people, the people who have uh, actually made the game. I think it's EA Sports. So EA you think Sports. there is paranormal activity that hurts the athlete that's on the cover of the Madden game? Not at all. There is a curse. No, 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 no. A curse is paranormal activity. Correct. That is something that cannot be explained logically. So you must explain it, you know, through a massive word rule. So you think that the the paranormal activity harms those who are on the Madden football cover? Yes, just like with Troy Polamalu being on the cover three years ago, four years ago he was injured that year. Yes, it's a curse. I mean, it's just statistically, it's that's what they're known for. No, 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 it's, it's an anomaly and it's a coincidence. Okay, you're right. You're right. You I'm that. right. It's 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 you know. I mean, if you want, I mean, do you believe in ghosts? I do. You do. Do you believe I in UFOs? I've seen I've seen, seen my grandfather after he was dead. Do you believe in UFOs? Uh, I believe there's extraterrestrials, yes. I mean, they're, they're releasing documentaries and tapes that are showing Navy pilots finding UFOs in the sky, not knowing... Do you ever listen is. to the radio show Coast to Coast AM? I have not. You should. I, I forget okay. where it's on here in uh, Pittsburgh, but listen to Coast to Coast AM. It's a late-night show that deals with this that kind of stuff. Uh, All right. Now, uh, what about alien abduction? Uh, depends. Are they going to give me a? Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting you as a candidate. Do you believe it happens? I mean, yeah. I guess. I guess it could happen. Okay, because because I, I don't want I, you to. I I was trying to expose you as a hypocrite who believed in one crackpot thing, but not a bunch of other crackpot things. But apparently, you believe in all things crackpot. Am I right? You're right. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Patrick at Upper Saint Clair. Patrick, you're on with Double M. I'm Mr. Madden, Mick Fan, Mick Fan. Right. On Bryce Harper and the All Star Game, or the Home Run Derby. Right. The Heat, or I didn't watch the. I don't have cable. I didn't watch the Home Run Derby. Don't have cable. Yeah, I have Apple TV. What the hell is that? Apple TV is. So you couldn't um, watch the Home Run Derby? No, I couldn't watch the Home Run Derby. But you want to talk about watch. cheating at the Home Run Derby, something you didn't watch? Yes. Yes. What, do you think there was a second shooter? Hitter, pitcher, whatever? It's, I, I believe it was his, his father uh, threw fast to his uh, son, Bryce Harper. Yeah, he threw and, balls while the other ball was still in flight. Uh, I also read that uh, four of the five longest home runs in this derby were by Bryce Harper. Which is coincidence, maybe. Yeah. What? 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 What else could it be? I'm not sure. I just read an article about. Okay. It. Let me ask you this: Why do you care? Why do you give a flying fornication about who wins the home run derby, which you didn't even care enough to find a way to watch? Uh, I watched the All Star game. I got. I got the All Star. That's not game. what I asked you. But, uh... Bye now. It's like yesterday. We started off with just horrible callers. Somebody help. 412 WXDX. 
We got Mark and Scott on hold. Please stay on hold and be better than that. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing, brother? Hey, double M. Thanks for taking the call. Getting the fast lane, Grandma. I'm ready to go to Tim Hortons for some fat-free donuts. The X at 105.9. Really looking forward to Greta Van Fleet tonight. That's at Stage AE uh, Outdoors. Going to be a little uh, muggy, hot, but uh, I can't wait. One thing about Greta Van Fleet that means a lot to me is a 57-year-old classic rock fan. The oldest guys in this group are the two twins, the singer and guitar player, Josh and Jake, who are 22. The bass player, their younger brother, is only 18. The drummer's 19. It's going to be cool to go to a show to hear music I like played by somebody who's not 50 or 60. Or pushing 70. And it gives you hope that the music will outlive me and people who love this kind of music. And again, you know, people like Randy Bauman are really cynical that they're just ripping off Led Zeppelin. I think it's organic. I think it's just the way they want to play music. And I think it says a lot about their influences is that they don't play a Zeppelin cover. They play a Holland Wolf cover. And if you don't know who Holland Wolf was, then you have no room to talk about who influences what. Because, uh, well, put it this way. Listen to Lemon Song by Led Zeppelin. And then listen to a Holland Wolf song called Killing Floor. There you go. For that matter, listen to Bring It On Home by Led Zeppelin and listen to a Willie Dixon song called Whatever, almost the same thing. You know, influences are influences. They reached a point where nothing would ever again be totally original. These kids from Greta Van Fleet, they're doing just fine. They're terrific. Uh, by the way, I talked about uh, Caitlyn Jenner winning the ESPN, the ESPY's Arthur Ashe Courage Award. Courage, like the Cowardly Lion, uh, in 2015. And I mentioned that there was a, a track athlete that, that could have won it that lost an arm and a leg, and a bunch of people tweeted, oh, Oscar Pistorius, he murdered his girlfriend. Well, he lost both his legs, not an arm and a leg. The guy I'm thinking of is Noah Galloway, who uh, lost an arm and a leg in military service in Iraq, and after that ran marathons and competed in CrossFit. Do I think he would have been a better choice than Caitlyn Jenner? Absolutely. I think he would have been a better choice. And that's not being anti-LGBTQ. Uh, that's looking at the two who were up for the award. I'm assuming both were considered in making the better choice. Let's go to John in Sacramento. John, you're on with Double M. John, you're on the air. Okay, from now on, if I say your name, you have one second to talk, and then you're done. This show will not be slowed down by your low IQ and crappy attention span. Let's go to Scott on 79. Scott, you're on the Mark Madden Show. One Mississippi. Go ahead. What do you want? Hey, what's going on, Mark? Uh, talking about why I don't watch ESPN anymore. 
Okay. I'm guilty of being a hockey fanatic. I love hockey. I love every aspect of it, and their hockey coverage is crap. Well, Barry's good, Melrose, but he's never on. He he is, but it's 35 minutes into a show. I want to I want to turn on ESPN. I want to watch hockey, but that's the secondary point. That's, that's why God invented point. the NHL Network. What else? I understand that, but top ten list. You you sit there, you go through ten, nine, eight, you know, and everything, and Number one is always a guy slam dunking a basketball that's seven foot four. Number six is a guy that's. Yeah, but more people hockey. watch basketball than hockey. Thank you for the call. There's a lot more to complain about when it comes to ESPN than that they have too much basketball on instead of hockey. That matters here, but that's as preferred in most of the major sports markets across America. What I hate is is that a lot of the people that, that host shows that they think are beloved are actually just horribly unlikable. Like I've often said, that morning show, Get Up, I like Greeny. As far as I'm concerned, Beetle and Rose are like the Axis powers. Mike Greenberg has to host a show with the Axis powers. Let's talk to Mark in the car. Mark, real quick, you're on 105.9. Yeah, how you doing, Mark? Great. Um, so I went to high school with Darrell Rivas, and I could not tell you that you are more on the money with your assessment of him throughout his career. He is a Charles Woodson-type player through and through. I think Charles in Woodson our, is a Darrell Rivas-type player. Absolutely. In high school, he scored all five touchdowns for our high school team in the state championship. Yeah, plenty of, and, you know what, I don't mean to interrupt. Plenty of guys do that in high school games. Look at Al Bundy. That never make it Absolutely. in college of the pros. But but Rivas was an exceptional player at Aliquippa, at Pitt, with the New England Patriots, with the New York Jets, with all the NFL teams he played for. He was just brilliant. I mean so I was so young coming through high school, I didn't understand. Hey, so you, how come on, you're making this your story. It's not your story. Nobody knows who you the schmuck from Aliquippa is. Up next, I'm gonna talk to former NFL general manager Jeff Diamond. He's going to talk about what these Steelers could have done, should have done, to keep Le'Veon Bell. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, sexy? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Because I know more about announcing than any man alive. The X at 105.9. My guest right now is the former president of the Tennessee Titans and the former vice president and general manager of the Minnesota Vikings. You could check out his work at the Sporting News website. He is Jeff Diamond. Uh, Jeff, welcome aboard. Uh, how come running backs don't get paid truly big money? And what has to happen for that to change? <laughs> well, hi, Mark. Yeah, I think it's uh, a lot of reasons go into it. And I think I think a big part of it from a, from a GM standpoint is the longevity of running backs. And, and I think the concern that, that they have in terms of how many hits a running back takes, how many touches they get. And you take a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who touched it over 400 times last year, and going back to his Michigan State days and now whatever five years with the Steelers, that's a lot of hits. And I think there's a, a compilation that happens in a GM's mind and a coach's mind in how long do running backs last. Now, you do find some, some rare players, a Marcus Allen, an Emmett Smith, some of those type of guys that, that will play into their early 30s, but... I think, generally speaking, more the rule of thumb is, for example, 
DeMarco Murray just retired. He's 30 years old. And so I, I think as Kevin Colbert looks at Le'Veon Bell's situation and, and looks at a, a long-term deal for him, I think he, he's got to be a little bit apprehensive, and, uh, and especially Le'Veon is now 26 by next March when he theoretically could hit free agency if the Steelers don't franchise him again. He's 27. Well, how many years out do you want to go with a running back? And I, I think we've all seen how running backs can, can fall off the table quickly when they hit that 30-year-old threshold. Well, I think it might happen actually earlier with, with Lev Bell, Jeff. Those are all points well made by you. And uh, Bell wasn't all that great last year. Where does that fit into the equation? His yards per carry dropped by almost a full yard. Yeah, it, it did. But he, I think that the difference for Le'Veon Bell, what makes him special, is his versatility. And he still caught 85 balls. He still had 11 touchdowns. He still had over 1,200 yards. And, and that was coming in right before the start of the season, whatever it was, uh, six days before the season started. And, and so, so he got off to a little bit of a slow start. So those numbers are a little bit skewed. And, and yeah, I think that's part of the concern. And, and then you talk in general about, about running backs getting paid, and you look around the league, and, yeah, Devontae Freeman right now is the highest-paid running back. It's amazing at $8.5 million a year when you, look, when you look at guys like Brandon Cooks just got over $16 million a year from the Rams and, and Sammy Watkins got up 16 million a year from the Chiefs. And, and for Sammy Watkins, he's only had 1,000 yard season. So I, I can also understand from the player's perspective, and, and I currently do some work with an agent group. So my, my hat's on the other side of the table a little bit now, but uh, I can, I can appreciate both points of view. And, and yeah, for, from Le'Veon's camp, you can certainly understand looking at those other players and saying, hey, I'm more valuable than those guys, and, and I'm versatile, and the Steelers' running game is built around me and a and, and big part of the passing attack, too. And, and so I think so many elements go into the, the equation on it. And then but part of the problem, I think, for the Steelers, too, in paying big bucks uh, on a long-term deal to Le'Veon is some of the off-the-field stuff he's had. And that enters into certainly into the thought process for a GM. One other factor to consider, too, Jeff, it's relatively easy to draft a quality running back, isn't it? Uh, look at last year in the NFL. Four rookie running backs made major impact. A couple more would have, except for week four injuries. And uh, only a couple of those were first-round picks. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, and, you, and you look at, at that situation and, and even look back to Le'Veon Bell as a second-round pick, for example. And so... I think that that yeah you've got some of these high drafted players in recent years, and and we have and we've certainly seen that uh, when when you when you think about the Ezekiel Elliotts and the Saquon Barkleys, uh, Todd Gurleys for example that are top ten picks, and but yeah there have been other guys too and and we all know that, that the good old Patriots have made an art out of finding running backs and developing them and, and having them play certain roles, and whether it's a Deion Lewis or LeGarrette Blunt or whoever it was, that, that those guys still produced, and they've won a lot of Super Bowls doing that. And I think that kind of is part of the equation, too, in terms of convincing some GMs that maybe that the big bucks, highest-paid running back like an Adrian Peterson was with the Vikings and they never got to a Super Bowl, that maybe that player is not – as essential as making sure you have a franchise quarterback. We're talking to former NFL executive and general manager Jeff Diamond here on 105.9 The X. Jeff, let me ask you to please put on your general manager's hat for a second. 
How did the Steelers handle the negotiations with Bell, and is there anything you would have done different? Well, I, I think that I'm not surprised at, at the approach that they took and, and uh, that Kevin Colbert took in, in the negotiations. And, and if, if, as reported, they offered him $15 million a year, uh, originally the, the word was 14 and, and sounds like it may have even gotten as high as 15 it's hard to understand Le'Veon Bell turning that down until you look at the guaranteed money component in in the contract. And if, if the guaranteed money was was around thirty to thirty three million, I, I think they were looking for more uh, than that. Which was really, if it was a five year deal of seventy million, that's less than half guaranteed. And most of these contracts today for high profile guys are sixty percent guaranteed or more than that. Uh, I'm not talking about Kirk Cousins at a hundred percent guaranteed. But I'm talking about position players, and so I think that that's part of the equation too. So I did I did write in that in that story that my my hunch on the whole thing is that I think that Kevin Colbert and Art Art Rooney, for example, I think that they are are quite content to let this thing play out and see how it how it works out, and and keep him on these one year franchise deals, keep the carrot out there. Uh, and and see what how it works out, and and then make a decision on on this long term deal. If he has another great season, maybe they'll go for the long term deal. If not, then hey, they'll go find someone in free agency. They'll let they'll let Le'Veon hit the hit the market. They're not going to franchise him at seventeen and a half million. And we know Kevin Colbert can draft extremely well, and that could well be the path that, that the Steelers choose. So it, it could go any way, but that that's the way I'm leaning on it. Well, it would be extremely remote that Bell would sign a long-term deal with the Steelers now. Uh, am I right? I think when you get this close to free agency, you're going to test it. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's beyond the, the realm of possibility because I, I think he still has the most value to the Steelers. He knows the system. He knows the coaches. He's ha- he has been pretty much happy there other than the contract, but but I think he, he, like, he and Mike Tomlin obviously have a, have a close relationship. And I'm not sure these other teams out there and these other GMs, they may be more apprehensive about Le'Veon with his injury history. He's had several years where he's had knee injuries that knocked him out at the end of the season, including missing eight games. He's had uh, the off-the-field issues. And and so I think as a, as a team looking from the outside, it may be tough for him to, to get that same kind of offer from another team. So if the Sears are going to put that out there next year, I wouldn't be shocked if he does resign in Pittsburgh. Now, you faced a similar situation in Minnesota with Robert Smith, the running back. Isn't that right? Uh, and you kept the guy. How'd you work that out? Yeah, we, we did. And, and now with Robert, there, there were no off-field concerns. That, that, he, that, that was never an issue. And uh, the situation with Robert always was that early in his career, he had two ACL injuries. He, he'd been a first-round pick of ours out of Ohio State. Had two ACLs in his early years, had overcome that. But there was still the apprehension: could he still have another big injury coming? And then what happened? We put a, a transition tag on him after he had 1,200 yards in 1997, and then Seattle was, was putting out an offer for a, a five-year, $25 million deal, which doesn't sound like that much today. But at, at that time, 20 years ago, that that made him would have made him the highest-paid running back in the NFL, and over guys like Emmitt Smith and all these other players at that time. And so I had to swallow hard on that deal, but I knew that he was such an important part of our team. 
and and so I advance the offer. But I, I always tell this story whenever I'm giving a speech. I say I had to turn off the side of the road driving home that night. I, I almost got physically ill doing that deal because I was so concerned about him get, having a major injury and and it, it costing me my job and all this and that. And there was a, a nice signing bonus in the deal. So, but fortunately for us, it, it worked out. He had. Uh, it uh, two more Pro Bowl seasons in the next three years, including leading the NFC in rushing in 2000. He led us to a, helped us to a 15 to one season in '98. So the the contract ended up being worth it. But then he retired after three years because he didn't want to get hurt anymore. And so by then I was down in Tennessee, so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, you feel like the Steelers' offer was fair, uh, don't you, Jeff? Uh, was there enough guaranteed money? That seemed to have been. Uh, a point of discussion in the aftermath. Yeah, I, I, th- I think certainly the average per year was, was definitely fair. Uh, possibly the guaranteed money could have been an issue that they could have kicked up a little bit because from the from the reports out there, it sounds like they were just guaranteeing the first two years, and and so that uh, at 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 basically fifteen million a year. So if you're in Le'Veon Bell shoes, you're saying, okay, well that's basically a two year deal. <laughs> so. Uh, I think they could have structured it a little differently if they really, really wanted to get him signed to that long-term deal. And as I said, that's why my feeling is that they're quite content with not having him sign that long-term deal and, and seeing another great year out of him and then making a decision. And I think the other wild card in the equation is what happens with the Sears cap? Is is Big Ben going to hang in there? Is, is he going to retire in the next couple of years, which would free up a ton of cap money, as we know, if if they think Mason Rudolph is a successor and he's still on his rookie deal, that's that's the the pot of gold for a, for a team. If they can have a young quarterback who's playing great, as happened with Russell Wilson in Seattle, so they could build up that defense, and as happened with Dak Prescott down in Dallas in his rookie year, and they could pay that offensive line. That's a great situation when you don't have to pay the quarterback twenty five million a year or twenty million a year. So what's going to happen with Big Ben down the road? That could free up a lot of cap dollars, and then the Sewers may say, "Well, yeah, we better keep Le'Veon if Big Ben's moving on down the road." Now, uh, how much will Bell get when he finally does sign that long-term deal? He wants seventeen million per year, which really would change the way running backs are perceived. Which is his stated goal. I don't know what his real goal is. I think it's just to get paid. But ultimately, how much do you think Le'Veon Bell's going to get on a long-term deal? I think he's going to get in that, in that uh, probably 13 to, to 14 million dollar level, maybe 15, but I, I, I'm not sure he's going to even reach that that high. And and uh, it, it will be really interesting to see how how it all plays out. I don't think he's hitting 17. I, I know that's the number in his head, and I think a, a lot of the reason for that is because Antonio Brown's hitting 17, and, and he thinks he's just as valuable as Antonio Brown, which he's probably right. And so. That, that's part of it too, but but the running back market is different, and running backs don't have the longevity, and running backs get hurt, and Le'Veon's been hurt, and, and so there are so many things that enter into it. And as I said, the off the field stuff, the two suspensions, a lot of things have happened, and so if he hits the market, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up signing somewhere for thirteen to fourteen million, not even getting that fifteen. Wow. Jeff, this was real good. Uh, great insight. Let's do it again. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, and all the best to you guys. That's Jeff Diamond, former NFL executive GM with the Vikings. That Robert Smith comparison, that running back.
The situation very similar to the Bell situation. Although, frankly, Robert Smith wanted big money, not nutty money. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin. Don't forget, we have Jake Kiska of Greta Van Fleet at 5.30. Greta Van Fleet at Stage AE tonight, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double whammy, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Mark? A lot of gibberish, a lot of booze, a lot of public urination. The X at 105.9. Joining me now is Bob McLaughlin. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob? Uh, what's your take on the All-Star game last night? Ten home runs. Isn't that just stupid? Isn't something exciting that happens too often ultimately boring? Uh, Yeah, I think that that's a little bit too much. But for the people there at the game, uh, I'm sure they loved every minute of it. I I just don't see how anybody not at that game could turn it on and watch that. I I mean, for it doesn't matter. I mean, I know it's a showcase. I know that everybody wants to see how well their player for their team does. Um, I, I I think it's right up there with the NFL All-Star Game. In absolute- the Pro Bowl, yeah. All the All-Star Games are useless, but uh, I think that goes back to something I talked about uh, on the show last week, that sports refuses to recognize when an idea has come and gone, when the expiration date is hit. All-Star games were a good idea back then. They're not a good idea now. The home run derby was great the first couple times. Now it's just mind-numbing. Same thing with the NBA dunk contest. Remember how big a deal the dunk contest was at the All-Star game when they first started doing it? And now nobody wants to participate in it, let alone watch it. But you make a good point. The All-Star games, all the ancillary events, be it the home run derby, the dunk contest, etc., it's great for the host team. And city, and that's it. And I don't have any idea on how they make that revenue up or how they keep people's interest for something like that when it's just a talent showcase. Maybe you do come up with more event type stuff instead of the game because second lowest ratings ever, Mark. So a lot more people are in the boat that you and I are in right now, uh, other than turning it on and, and staying interested in it. I just don't see how, you know, it's just pointless. I guess. Now, uh, turning back to Lev Bell, as we will invariably do, I thought that Jeff Diamond, the former NFL general manager, uh, had some great insight, although one thing he said, I can't imagine. I can't imagine Bell even considering a long-term contract with the Steelers uh, for next, after this season. Can you? Oh, I thought you were going to say you couldn't imagine him only getting 13 or 14 next year. I can't imagine that. I think somebody's stupid enough out there to pay him more or to give him a bunch of front-loaded money put, with a guarantee. Put it this way. I think the chances of him getting 17 mil a year, I think it's about 50-50 to 14 mil a year. And, you know, uh, somewhere okay. in the middle possibly. But 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 I just, I just don't think people are going to suddenly say, oh, my God, it's time to start paying running backs. The only way Le'Veon Bell could change that would be if he would indeed come in and have the best year of his career. And I don't see how he's going to do that showing up to camp in its last week. I can see the way you put it right there. I I, I could see that happening. The only thing, I, the caveat to that is I can see somebody giving him around 15 mil, like basing their offer on the Steelers' offer this year, kind of using it as a template. 
But what's another four million, five, six million as a signing bonus or something like that if you've got a commodity like a Lev Bell coming off another good year? I mean, if that's all he wants, forget everything he said about fifteen mil or seventeen mil a year. Obviously, that doesn't matter anymore. He's just looking for the first two or three year guarantee money up front. And if somebody gets to thirty four, thirty six million for those two years, I bet you Lev Bell takes that next year. Well, I think he should have taken it this year. I agree and, with and you. I think it was a bit a bit foolhardy for him to think the Steelers would change their policy toward guaranteed money for him. And I think it was a bit foolhardy for him to not understand that he was going to get that 33 mil over the first two years. They weren't going to cut him before the first year. I, pre- I feel pretty confident, Bob, in saying <laughs> that once they gained the $10 million signing bonus, they weren't going to cut him. Heck, I'm not even sure they could. I'm not sure if he's a vested veteran yet, but he's pretty close. And they're not going to cut him after just one year either. They're just not going to. Because if they did, uh, let's say the $10 million signing bonus, then and let's say there's 23 mil halfers over each of the first two years, right? Right. So they're not going to cut him after having have no. paid him 21 point whatever million for one season. They're just not going to. Exactly. And you wonder how the agent's cut is, is you know, said on this one, whether he just gets a flat percentage off whatever Lev Bell makes in a season, or if he, you know, has an escalator with the more he makes, the more the agent gets. Um, Because you wonder how the agent proposed it to Lev Bell. He could have easily explained it the way you just did right now, saying, look, you're going to get X amount. You're going to get 30 million in the first two years. You're going to get that. That gets you to your 15 mil you're going to probably get 45 in the first three years, the way that this is written, and with those rolling guarantees that they talked about yesterday. Yeah, but rolling guarantees are no guarantees. That's just a uh, that's just semantics to work the word guarantee in there. I agree with you, and that's what I'm working on right now. I mean, if you have to go that route and use semantics to get your client to understand, he is most likely going to get $45 million over the next three years. I'm thinking that's the way I present that because I know I'm getting a cut of that $45 million and we're both at ease for the next three years. That's Bob McGaughan. I'm Mark Madden. Up next, we're going to talk about somebody who has kind of uncharacteristically defended Le'Veon Bell to a degree far further than, than I had imagined. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.